Well, hello there. Uh, welcome wherever you're at, whomever you're with. Uh, I'm so very glad that you are here with us for a few moments this weekend. Well, today we're going to finish up uh, a series that we've been in uh, called Own Your Journey. And, uh, you know, uh, before we jump into our teaching, though, do want to remind you we have this great resource called the version, absolutely free. Download it on your phone or your device. Once you get it, lower right-hand corner, open the menu, look in events, search for Arlington FM Church, and there you will find a complete set of notes for this message. Uh, also, when you're in your podcast player, uh, search for Arlington FM Church as well. And there you will find all of our teaching content. Uh, well, this series, Own Your Journey, uh, it's about uh, being intentional. You know, we've uh, had this saying, uh, all of us are going to end up somewhere. Well, how about uh, ending up somewhere on purpose? And uh, some of the truths we've highlighted uh, in this series is that life itself is a journey. It's an unfolding adventure well, uh, if you've walked with Christ for any length of time, you know that our faith is the same way. Our faith walk is a journey. And uh, we've also highlighted this truth, that we will find our greatest joy in becoming who our Creator designed us to be. You know, uh, we looked at King David where he said, God, your thoughts towards me are innumerable. They're like the sands of the earth. And uh, to think about that, that uh, an infinite Creator has infinite thoughts uh, towards you and I and uh, what we can become. You know, uh, last week on Father's Day, we saw that Jesus modeled this picture of progress and becoming what God had always intended him to be. We're told that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and in favor with men. And, uh, you know, uh, this uh, idea, the Apostle Paul said it's like this. It's like from going from glory to glory, uh, we're being transformed uh, into the image of Christ and into that great design that God has for each of our lives. And I uh, love the way Paul expresses uh, the, the way that he leaned in to what God had for him. He said, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I haven't arrived by any means, but one thing I do forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What a mouthful and uh, what a great description of this journey that all of us are on. And uh, as we come to the end of the series, I would say, say it like this. Uh, you and I, we are made for progress. We are designed to be moving into new things that God has for us. And uh, I want to end by looking at this uh, wonderful passage from a, a letter. It's called the Letter to the Hebrews. And uh, about midway through the letter, uh, the writer makes this incredible statement about our faith journey. Here's what he said. He says uh, in chapter 6, verse 1, Therefore, uh, let us move beyond the elementary teachings or the beginning teachings about Christ. And let's be taken forward to maturity. It's almost like being swept along in this grand intention that God has for us. And, and then he says, uh, not going backwards, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and turning, you know, turning away from an old way of life, turning to God. 
And not laying again a foundation of faith in God, of believing that God exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Not laying again a foundation of instruction about cleansing rites. That would include things like baptism, the laying on of hands, the impartation of spiritual power and healing. Not laying again a foundation that there is a resurrection of the dead. There is such a thing as eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. Now, uh, when I read those things, those don't sound like elementary truths to me. Those sound pretty impressive. You know, the laying on of hands and turning from acts that lead to death and eternal judgment. Uh, but uh, here's the point the writer is making. Uh, all of these, uh, what he calls elementary truths about Christ, are meant to be foundational they're meant to lay the groundwork for where God is taking us. They're not the end game. They're the starting point. And uh, so often uh, we learn those essential fundamental truths, and that's where we stay. That's where we get stuck. Uh, you know, I, I always like the idea of a starship. <laughs> Maybe if you're a Trekkie fan, you know exactly what I'm referring to. But uh, pretty impressive. You know, these things are armed with a warp speed. And deflector shields, they've got an incredible crew, and, and all of them, uh, all these resources are meant for one thing, that this starship can boldly go where no man has gone before and explore unfound discoveries, just endless uh, expanse. And I like that idea because it kind of uh, encapsulates God's intentions for us, especially as we come to faith in Jesus Christ. We have this high calling and uh you know here's a here's a question for today's message if that's our potential and that's our calling why is it that we get stuck why do we get stuck in uh, going around and around and going through the same things and not making the kind of progress that we're invited into well uh you know i read uh, or saw an article this week about a couple who got stuck in an airport. They were on their way to Las Vegas to join family and friends for a wedding. And uh, they were so looking forward to, to this event, uh, but they got to the airport, saw that their flight had been delayed, uh, waited around, uh, saw that eventually their flight got rescheduled, then their flight got canceled, and then they realized, we're not going anywhere, we're stuck. And they went back home and uh, as they interviewed this couple, they lamented about all the things that they were looking forward to uh, that just got missed because they got stuck. It reminded me of a time my wife and I were stuck. We were on our way of all places to northern Italy. Uh, a couple of our kids and their families had rented a villa, and they invited mom and dad to come along and join them. And so uh, we made our way, and we got to Frankfurt, Germany, and there we got stuck. There was one flight that day we could have gotten on, and uh, as we were waiting uh, for the boarding process to unfold, the agent kind of lapsed and forgot that we were waiting for seats, and uh, they closed the door. We missed that plane. Uh, hours and hours later, uh, we finally decided, you know, I think we could rent a car and drive over the Alps, <laughs> go through Switzerland, and make our way uh, to the, the destination in northern Italy. Well, uh, we did, but uh, here's the point. Being stuck is never a good thing. Uh, it's never uh, optimal 
to get in a place in life where we feel like we're not making progress anymore. But here's the truth. We should all kind of understand. If you ever wrestle with feeling stuck, you are not alone. It's a nearly universal human experience to feel stuck at some point in our lives. You know, it's common. We all get to places. So maybe a more relevant question is, why do we get stuck? What, what actually happens when we're no longer making progress? Well, here are some of the nuances. We lose sight of the goal, the end game, the, the destination, the bigger picture. We get kind of uh, overly focused on what's immediately in front of us, and we lose sight of the big picture. Uh, we get discouraged. We go through things that are difficult. Uh, maybe we gave it our best shot, and things kind of blew up in our face, and uh, we're reticent uh, to take risks again in the future. We get distracted by lesser pursuits. Uh, this seems to be reflected as you read beyond Hebrews 6, the rest of the letter, uh, you see, uh, there's the tendency. Uh, things get hard. Things get difficult. And uh, we kind of will settle uh, for lesser things. The great example of this is a guy named Esau. And uh, Esau saw his brother with a good bowl of soup. And he wanted some. And uh, he was willing to trade his birthright. Imagine that. Uh, so that he could get a bowl of that soup. It's a classic example of how we often, we lose sight of the greater good, the bigger picture, and reach for what is immediately in front of us. Uh, we misinterpret our failures. Uh, maybe we, like I said, would give our best effort, didn't work out that way, and uh, we kind of turn that failure inward. We begin to uh, not believe in ourselves and not believe in the future that God has for us. Uh, we mismanage our feelings of regret. And, uh, you know, we mentioned in this series that uh, rather than trying to live without regret, how about we allow re regret to propel us forward? We interpret those uh, regrets not as situations that we long to try to recreate, but we learn from them and actually let them catapult us forward. Uh, someone said that uh, we often get stuck in traumatic experiences. Uh, these difficult uh, crises that we go through get frozen uh, in our emotions and our memories. And uh, unlike normal memories, uh, we can't seem to get past these. We can't seem to live beyond their impact on our lives. Uh, another one uh, who studied this human experience of getting stuck uh, made this comment. We often get stuck because we stop having what they referred to as peak or transformative experiences. Uh, these are the kind of experiences that come to us when we're willing to risk, when we're willing to exercise our faith and step out and courage. Uh, you know, some scientists call these transformational learning experiences. Others call them disorienting dilemmas. And I hear the, the essence of, of these types of experiences. They take us beyond our comfort zones. They move us into things that are new. And uh, here's a, a sad reality about these transformative experiences is that uh, they tend to happen most when a person is in their teenage years, in their 20s. It, then they actually begin tapering off when a person goes through their 30s 
And uh, here's uh, the sad reality about these transformational experiences. They become almost non-existent for people over 40. And if you're over 40, that statement ought to shock you that these kinds of experiences that promote growth in us, that cause us to see ourselves differently, our world differently, our God differently. We open up to new truths and become new people in the process. Well, we often get stuck because we stop having these kinds of experiences. Uh, someone else who studied stuckness uh, said we tend to get stuck when we view our personalities as being fixed. You know, there's a lot of fascination with the assessments and finding out how we're wired, how we're put together. Uh, but the downside of that is we tend to think, well, once we know who we are, that's who we are for good, forever. And that simply is not true, that our personalities are constantly, uh, can be in a state of formation. We can be a change. Uh, one other reason we tend to get stuck is we lose hope for our future. It's kind of a, a, a combination of all the previous reasons is, uh, you know, we go through disappointments, we go through painful things, we stop having transformative experiences, and the outcome is we stop hoping for a good future. We stop anticipating God doing new things in us and through us. Uh, so uh, here's a good question. This is why we get stuck, but why do we stay stuck? Why do we stay in those places where we're, we're going in circles and we're not moving further in and further forward uh, to the things that God has in store for us? Well, um, many have observed we tend to suppress the truth about ourselves. When we get stuck, we don't want someone poking on our stuckness. We don't want anyone to ruffle our little nests and our routines that we've made. We give in to fear. We become fearful about our future rather than faith-filled. And uh, we give too much attention to the opinions of others. We start embracing our doubts and our negative uh, thoughts, and we settle in to our standard routines. Well, uh, I happen to believe that the costs of remaining stuck are enormous. The costs of staying stuck are incredible. It's much more than a missed weekend with family and friends or a missed vacation. The cost of staying stuck is we live without hope. We settle for less. Uh, you know, the parable of the talents that Jesus told uh, in that story, uh, the, one, uh, the one servant employee a faithful follower, you might say, uh, the one who did not experience the master's joy was the one who was stuck. Uh, he did nothing with what was entrusted to him. He buried it. And uh, it's a great example uh, that the, the, the biggest robber of our own joy is when we uh, don't move forward in the things that God has entrusted to us. Uh, we don't inspire faith or hope in others when we're stuck. Uh, we don't awaken and stir that kind of anticipation in others that causes them to reach for God. And, you know, when, we, when we're stuck, we tend to fill that capacity for joy that God created us with 
we tend to fill it with lesser things. And again, that example of Esau is uh, really a, a pinnacle of this tendency uh, to trade what is immense and valuable and filled with possibilities for something that is immediate and tangible. A good example of this would be someone who uh, fills their lives with pornography rather than meaningful, intimate connections with people. And so uh, as we come to the conclusion of this message in this series, here's really the, the, the key question is how do we get unstuck? You know, how do we move beyond uh, those places that we've settled into? And uh, how do we change our perspectives? Uh, there's a lot of advice uh, on getting unstuck. And it would be things like change your mind. Move your body. Uh, sometimes our bodies itself are, are manifestations of our internal stuckness. Uh, face your fears, we're told. Get real with yourself. Uh, open up to the influence of others. Well, I, I would say this, uh, since we're coming out of uh, the letter to the Hebrews, this invitation to move beyond the elementary teachings, the foundations, and move into uh, the great things that God has for us, I would encourage you, read through the letter to the Hebrews through this lens of getting unstuck. And uh, what you'll begin to see is that the writer says, hey, uh, while you're being stuck, know this. We have a heavenly priest. His name is Jesus, who, uh, who is, is, has an incredible, uh, uh, unfathomable view of who you can become. And that incredible high priest, uh, he gets you. And we're told he sympathizes with your weaknesses. And in spite of that, uh, he invites you uh, to come near to God uh, through his sacrifice. In fact, uh, we're told in the book of Hebrews that uh, we have access to God the Father through what Jesus Christ has done. We're invited to draw near to God with full assurance. We're invited to... Uh, to join with others, to spur them on towards love and good works. We're reminded of the heroes of the faith in the past who looked beyond their stuckness and they looked to a, a heavenly kingdom that was being given to them. Uh, we're reminded that when we go through difficult times, God is using those. He's disciplining us for one purpose, that we can share in his holiness so that we can become uh, what God had always designed us to be. We're reminded that we are participating with angels and heavenly beings, that there's a great host that has gone before us and that is cheering us on. We're invited to run with perseverance. The race that is set before us to keep our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. We're reminded to not get sidetracked like Esau to not miss the grace of God that can liberate us from our own regrets and bitterness. Well, um, so how do we get unstuck and move towards our unlimited potential? Well, I would summarize the message of Hebrews and really the New Testament like this. Uh, we need uh, to get unstuck and to move into our unlimited potential that God has called us to. We need Jesus's freedom and we need Jesus' people. Uh, maybe here's a better way to say it. To get unstuck, we need the power of Jesus. And we need the people of Jesus. 
We need both. We need to experience uh, both of those realities in our lives to step into the great future that God has for us. You know, I love the, uh, the example uh, where Jesus healed, or raised a friend of his named Lazarus, uh, called him out of the grave, and what a, what a metaphor for someone who was stuck. Uh, he was wrapped in grave clothes. He was placed in a cave. Stone was rolled over the entrance, and there he sat for four days. In fact, when Jesus showed up on the scene and said, roll away the stone, uh, his relatives said, Lord, uh, no doubt he stinks by now. And uh, what a picture uh, of potential being stymied, brought to an end, as someone who's completely and absolutely stuck. And uh, if you read the story, uh, Jesus prayed, received empowerment from God, and then he issued this command, Lazarus, come forth. And uh, as he did, uh, Jesus ends uh, this uh, incredible miracle with these words to the friends and family of Lazarus. He said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And now here is someone who has miraculously been made alive, as you and I have been if we have faith in Christ, in need of his friends and family to unwrap the grave clothes and let him go. And I think that that miracle is a great picture of how God moves us beyond stuck. He issues a command. He liberates us. Whatever it is that we're tied to, whatever, wherever we've been buried, wherever our progress has been stopped, he has the power to move us forward. And then he invites our friends, other followers of Christ to remove the grave clothes and let us go into the future that God has for us. We need the power of Jesus to get unstuck, and we need the people of Jesus to move forward into the promise that God has. As we end, you know, here's a couple of passages that really declare how this works. One is from Ephesians chapter 3. Paul is praying this great prayer that a work of power be done in our inner person, he says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have ability or power. And now here's the key. Together with all the Lord's holy people, this is not something you do on your own. That you would have the power uh, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep. There's that unfathomable expanse of the love of God. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge in order that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, folks, that's a picture of being unstuck and moving forward into the great things that God has for our lives. And then this uh, final passage, Ephesians 4, 16, uh, from Christ, the whole body, the people of God, joined and held together, there's that word together again, uh, by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does his work. See, uh, we need the power of Jesus, and we also need the people of Jesus to move into our full potential. In fact, before we pray, I do want to mention that next month, uh, we're going to have a series where we look at how the power of Jesus works in the midst of the people of Jesus. Uh, we're calling this series Home Run. And it's, uh, you know, we all love the long ball in baseball. It's exciting. 
it's kind of why we, we come to watch the game, at least I do. And uh, we're going to look at uh, how do you hit a home run in your involvement with God's people, the going yard in church. And uh, over the, the next month, I invite you as we uh, dial into this series on how it is uh, we move forward into the great things that God has for us in our relationships with each other. Uh, now I want to invite you to pray with me. Uh, Father, we want to thank you uh, for this invitation that sounds from your heart uh, to uh, become the kinds of people that really are moving from glory to glory, uh, being changed uh, through all of life, through the ups and the downs, the good times and the bad, the difficulties. Lord, I pray that if any of us are experiencing stuck in any way, maybe we feel stuck in our relationships, are stuck in our relationship with you, like we're going over the same things again. Lord, I pray that you would speak that word of power, that, that same type of authority that was demonstrated when you commanded Lazarus to come out of that tomb, Lord, that you would speak uh, that kind of authoritative power in our own lives. And Lord, if it's our thinking, if it's our routines, if it's our fears, if it's our discouragement, whatever it is, Lord, that has stymied our progress in you, that you would liberate us from that. And then, uh, Lord, teach us uh, to, to open up to each other, uh, to have the kind of relationships that allow us to unbind one another and liberate each other to this great uh, plan that you have for our lives. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Maybe as you heard this message, you're thinking, you know, uh, that's I need the power of Jesus. That's exactly what I need. And maybe you've never called on his name. Uh, you should know. Uh, Jesus said, uh, whoever cries out to him, he would give the privilege to become children of God. And uh, that's called faith. And I would just invite you right now, uh, Verbalize that faith to him. Say something like this. Uh, Lord Jesus, uh, I admit in many ways I'm stuck in my life. I'm living down to my fears. I don't have uh, a hope for my future, but I sense that that resides in you. And I want to invite you, Lord, into my life. I want to receive your forgiveness. I want to become a child of yours. I want to have that privilege that I heard about where I can draw near to God. Come near to his throne. Receive grace to help me in my time of need. Uh, teach me, Lord, how to follow you into the great plans that you have for my life. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.